Hello and welcome to your July 2022 episode of The Smug Buds, a podcast where Will and Liz explain everything to the geese. And I'm Will and I'm talking to Liz. Hi, Liz. Hey, Will. What's up? Oh, not much of anything, uh, really, (laughs) since we last talked. Uh, I do have, hmm. I do have, this isn't old business by any standards, but I do have some exciting things coming up this week. Do tell. I'm seeing Angel Olsen, Sharon Von Etten, and Julian Baker on Thursday at Wolf Trap. Nice. I, and I, I it hope was a you very... will make it more than six songs uh, into the <laughs> show. Well, and <laughs> the irony is that this is actually going to be Elliot's first concert. Oh, Nice. So Wolf Trap's one of those like outdoor venues where there's like seating, but then there's like a like a lawn that's like at uh-huh. an angle. Yeah. So I was like, oh, this will be good because it won't a be hill, too loud. A hill, if you will. Yes, a hill. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, but it's not. It's it's. <laughs> it is a hill, but it's just like it's a very mild hill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as um, hills can be. <laughs> um, and. Aram messaged me and was like, do you want to go to this Sharon Von Etten concert on Thursday? I was like, Aram, I'm going. Oh, yeah, too late. <laughs> so she's going to she's just going to meet us there, which will be nice. Great. Um, but then Saturday, I'm seeing um, Ben Schwartz do improv oh, in D.C. Oh, yes. The it's, one I thought you'd be more excited to hear about. Well, absolutely, yeah. This is like, a, it's, is it billed as like Ben Schwartz and Friends or something? Yeah, yeah. it's Ben Schwartz mm-hmm. and Friends. Yeah. Um, I'm really curious as to what friends he's going to bring on because every show he's done, I've known some of the friends. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not personally, but. <laughs> Pre- presumably, there was a time not that long ago when perhaps the, you, the show you would have been seeing uh, would have been called Middle Ditch and Schwartz, uh, yes. which is what, what Dana and I saw live. And uh, it was a hoot and a blast. And uh, it's a little bit uncomfortable <laughs> to say how much I enjoyed myself at that show. <laughs> I mean, I still I still will rewatch those Netflix specials. They're very funny. <laughs> they're so funny. They're very funny. I really Though I will say they're very funny, but there is one person I like better out of the two of them oh, sure. even in the moment. Yeah. And it's Ben Schwartz. <laughs> I mean, I pretty much I think pretty much everyone is going to make that choice regardless <laughs> of personal matters. Um but uh, yeah, I, that's uh, that's very exciting, and I hope that you will enjoy yourself. Thanks. Uh, I'm really close too. I'm in row H. That's that sounds close. <laughs> My favorite joke in the Middle Ditch and Schwartz. Mm-hmm. It's not even a joke. My favorite moment in the Middle Ditch and Schwartz ones is at one point Ben Schwartz is doing a job interview with a computer, mm-hmm. and the computer keeps like cutting him off and stuff, mm-hmm. and it's going back and forth, and. He he's like, okay, so I have one second to describe myself or like something like that. And he's like, let me know when it starts. And the computer goes like, start. And Ben Schwartz is like, he's in a chair like facing the audience. And he goes, kind. And the whole audience just goes, oh. (laughs) And Ben Schwartz makes his face like, okay, you nerds. But yeah. Do you do you have do you have anything else to say before I ask if you have old business? No, I I don't think I I don't I I think I have neither old business nor uh chat at the top. I mean There is um I think I have a music video to add to the catalog. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. Auden had texted me uh, another music video genre. Mm. En route. Mm. <laughs> and the, I, the, it was a tweet. And, oh, the tweets. I don't know the other one, but the one is A Thousand Miles by... Um, what are what's her face but also i would include yellow by coldplay and also closing time mm, mm-hmm. those are both en route music videos gotcha and also also auden pointed out the scientist would also count for en route though it is backwards yeah that's the first yeah that's the first music video you've mentioned that i am familiar with that i have a picture of in my head do you do you not know the um Thousand Miles one where she's playing guitar or not guitar? She's playing piano but she's being pulled on like a trailer. That sounds familiar. Now that you say that, I think I can picture that. Kenny always yells at me because he'll say, "I don't know that." And I'll say, "You don't know that?" And he's like, "I literally just said that." But I that one I thought you might actually knew if I if I just yeah. roused your memory a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's just that's justifiable, yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, that that's all I have. Yeah, I mean, uh, what what do you want me to say? Do you want me to do you want me to timestamp this by saying that I that I got engaged since the last time? Oh my god! <laughs> I mean, you could say that. I wasn't pushing. I really wasn't pushing. That. I know you weren't. I was, <laughs> I was making I was making a joke. Yeah, that's fine. Well, no, but you neither of you have posted about it on the internet, so I wasn't going to bring it up. Well, I I know I haven't, and yeah, I guess Dana has just been having private conversations. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, since uh since the last episode of this mug buds um i guess when we recorded last dana had already gotten uh sick yeah yeah she had um and she has recovered and it's been a process yes and in that time she had a birthday and on that birthday i gave her an engagement ring which she had picked up out for herself uh-huh. uh a, a while ago yeah nice and it was so it was no surprise and it was not uh uh much of an occasion <laughs> it was the I, it was the culmination of of ongoing conversations yes which um, is i think honestly the way it should be to some extent and it is to most extent i say i i want to say to most extent it is coming after we have been in a an exclusive committed relationship to one another after 13 and a half years. Yeah, yeah I was going uh, to say for all of our goslings, Will and Dana have technically been dating longer than Kenny and I. Yeah. <laughs> By about two weeks. We're the, we're the only people, yeah, uh, on Earth. <laughs> um, and when I say I think it mostly should be that way, what I mean is I like surprises, so I specifically wanted to be surprised when Kenny asked me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I then regretted that. <laughs> um, but... Uh, which I don't regret it really, really, but I had to wait a lot longer because we were going to get engaged. In th- we had been like, we had decided together, let's get engaged when it's warm. Mm-hmm. I got engaged on December 11th. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I like surprises. I just wanted to be surprised. And so, but yes, I think this whole idea that like you don't know if somebody's going to ask you to marry them or not is archaic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think it's very good that you talked about it ahead of time. Yeah. So yeah, we're very modern and we're very cosmopolitan, mm-hmm. and uh, we're engaged. And yesterday we uh, uh, w- looked at a uh, a venue. Yes, Dana sent me pictures. It mm-hmm. looks beautiful. Oh, good, good. 
Yes, I agree. It it looked very ugly, and I think it's a bad idea. Yeah. No, I, I I thought, oh, this is perfect. Mm-hmm. Yep. So uh, yeah, fingers crossed. Um, we. Will, I then uh, proceeded to tell Dana a bunch of information after she asked about how to have a not super expensive wedding because I did not have a super expensive wedding. Yeah, great. We'll take all the advice we can get from our friends <laughs> and trusted allies. <laughs> it's a normal um, way. But to yeah, speak congratulations about this, right? and. Cr- oh. Congratulations from all the Goslings. Thank you. That's. Uh, I don't think that you're uh, qualified to say that on their behalf, but thank you anyway. I speak for them. Thank you. Um, I'm sure somebody out there right now is weeping like I thought I had a chance. Mm-mm. Yes. That, <laughs> that sounds like the reality that I live in. Someone is listening to my podcast. Um, should we... Uh, so this is normally when I ask you... Uh, what I am going to talk about because it is my turn to speak on a topic, but uh, I haven't told you what it is, and you said it should be a surprise. So, like I said, I like surprises. <laughs> um, what would be the point of this being a surprise, uh, unless I asked you? Uh, do Do you want to guess? Um, can you give me? I, I want to guess, but I don't want it to be uh, based on nothing. So can you give me a hint? So uh, it's a it's a it's a it's an art form or a medium. Oh. Uh, is it? Oh my god! Is this the podcast we talk about podcasts? No, no, that's <laughs> okay. So that that brings me to a transition. Mm. Um. So uh, it, uh, we've been d- uh, doing, uh, we didn't start in January of 2022. We started in March. So we're a few months into the year uh, doing monthly episodes. And while you have been soaring to new heights. Oh, bless you. <laughs> uh, bearing your soul uh, <laughs> for the sake of uh, spreading messaging that is uh, you know, just morally good for the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I am over here uh, scraping the devil's share off the bottom of the barrel until <laughs> till there is no barrel uh, bottom left. And I think truly the last wood shaving perhaps would be the, the podcast where I talk about my favorite podcasts. Um, and that day will come, but it's not today. Yeah. No, I was reflecting on... The different uh, media properties uh, that I've talked about and looking at all the Mm -hmm. different movies and television shows and things. And I thought, huh, I think it's a little bit strange how little we've talked about comic books. Oh. And this episode is called Comic Books. (laughs) You know, it's so funny. We've had all this build up and I just realized the listeners fucking know what this episode is on. True. Because it's the title. (laughs) But... There is something that I'm not putting in the title, uh-huh. and I'm not going to put it in the episode description either. Uh-huh. Maybe the image, I haven't chosen it yet, will sort of give this away. But although I'm calling this episode comic books, we're mainly going to talk about the works of one writer. Nice. So why not just name the episode after him? And the uh-huh. answer is I don't. I just I don't want to present it like I'm singling him out like that, even though uh-huh. even though it's going to dominate the conversation. Uh-huh. Really, my intent is to 
do an episode about comic books, some of the comics that I've read and some of my favorite comics and some of the comics that I'm smug about, mm-hmm. meaning uh, I have some criticisms for them. And uh, it just so happens that this one writer really dominates my history with the entire genre. This is a um, great topic, I think, for us to talk about because this is something that I have, like, just enough information on. Yeah. And I don't read... We'll do it my baseline. Yeah, I was going to go there next. So my baseline is I have read some comics. Um, I mostly read comics in compiled form. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't read them in, like, the you monthly or weekly. You don't read single issues. Yeah, I'm mostly because I'm mostly reading them from the library. Right. And so the library probably mostly has trade paperbacks. Yeah, I'm they guessing. have the like, yeah, the like, um, I'll show, you know, they've compiled them into volumes. Yeah, I'll show and... you an example. So you, uh, I've got some stuff handy. You know, I've got here a single issue. Yeah. You're, you're not reading a lot of that. No. I've got here a trade paperback. You're probably reading. Is that the Wicked Than Divine? Yeah. That was what I was going to bring up. <laughs> okay, great. So we'll talk about that. I have all of those. So, and, and I've speak- read, besides like, but the the other two things I have as a baseline is like, I've read all of the Wicked Than Divine. I've read almost all of Fables. That's interesting. I'd like to talk to you about that. And I read, um, I've read, is it called Hush? You mean the Batman uh, yes. story? Yeah. Yeah. We own that. Mm-hmm. And, but the thing is, is that I actually, I don't, I read, I have read some comics, but mostly I actually read a lot of graphic novels and graphic memoirs. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And just even like children's ones. So I've read all right. of the like Rainia Telgemeier ones. Um, And I, if you want to talk about feeling smug, do you know mm. part of the reason I read these things? No. Well, I, can, I mean, Maybe. I can do it quickly. <laughs> yeah, well, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I like read a like a 300 page book in like a day and a half and I'm like, <laughs> look how fast of a reader I am. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's that's a big part of it. That's also a good reason for reading poetry in my experience. <laughs> wow. Um, I'm guess so I'm I I guess I'm curious if if when you check stuff out of the library, is it all trade paperbacks or do you do you get some like hardbound stuff there? Sometimes too? it's yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's hardbound. It depends on when it came out and right. um, because like I know with um, with like uh, Wicked and Divine, those were coming out in volumes, mm-hmm. and so um, they were sort of. But I was like reading them as they were still coming out, right? Um, but some of the stuff that they have is like a, they. If it's like over, especially, and they release like a whole thing that's a hardcover, mm-hmm. they'll have like, you know, volumes one through nine, and then at the end they'll have the hardcover that has all of them. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So that's similar to how I. So crossing over with your baseline, I've read all of the Wicked and the Divine. By the time I started reading it, this first hardcover was out and so i have this nice this collects the first looks like just the first two trade paperbacks Mm. because then the next one that i have in trade paperback form has a three on it and then 
Um, I could have gotten some single issues as they were coming out. And often that's what I do. But with this series, for whatever reason, I just waited for each new trade paperback to come out. Um, that I said for some reason, now I'm reflecting on it. That might be a reflection of, I was never so into this series that I was like, I need to read the next issue right away as soon as possible, as soon as it's on the shelf. I yeah. was like, oh no, I'll wait until till I can buy one of these. I really liked Wiccan and Divine. I like um, it. I like it too. It's I don't I don't count it as like one of my all time favorites, but I really like it. I think I I think I started reading that one because of Aram, because Aram was working at politics Aram Aram worked at politics and prose after we graduated because she needed a job for like visa stuff. Not mm-hmm. that she didn't want to work at politics and prose, but she quit that job as soon as she got like a full time job. Sure. And so she would like just bring me books sometimes. And this was one that I think she had read while she was like working there. And then mm-hmm. there was a while where we were reading them at the same time so we could talk about them. And yeah. this is something that I've realized I do. And I'm very, I'm just like digging my heels in hard. If mm-hmm. Sarah mentions that she's watching or reading something to me, yeah, I will just watch it mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> so I can talk to her about it. Yeah, <laughs> it's a great system. That's a really good system. Um, yeah, it's it's important to uh, have the those people who yeah you can uh, you know make a little uh, a mini book club with even, yeah. you know be it TV or movies or books. So okay, so I want I also wanted to say by way of introduction, uh, a why, why now? Mm-hmm. We've been we've been doing the podcast for a few years. Um, I could have talked more about comics at any time. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one reason why it's been on my mind more this year, and there's another reason why it is timely. Uh, in this particular month. Okay. And the reason why uh, this year I've been reading and rereading uh, more comics is because in January of this year, uh, we saw the return of a monthly book that had been on hiatus for a matter of years, a book called Saga. Yes, which I forget... Who I talked to, maybe it was you, mm. at some point said to me, they basically were putting Wicked and Divine and Saga in head-to-head with one another. And they were basically like, I can't get into Wicked and Divine because Saga's better. <laughs> that sounds like something that I experienced and something that I might have said. I don't remember that <laughs> conversation specifically. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, definitely I prefer saga and I read, read them partially around Mm. the same time. Uh, the reason why, uh, it's timely to talk about this, uh, in July of 2022 is because, uh, before the month is over, there is a new, uh, television program, uh, premiering on the streaming platform, Amazon prime video. Okay. And the show is called Paper Girls. Right. And this is also based on a comic book. Yes. And both Saga and Paper Girls are, do you know what they have in common? They are 
They are written by uh, Brian K. Vaughn. Okay, yes, I do know that name. Who uh, is mainly who we're going to talk about. Okay, got it. To flashback, I, I, I'm not going to go too deep into my own baseline history of where I started with this. Because, look, I never intend to go back and listen to episode two of The Smug Buds. But if I remember correctly. Yes, you did. I covered that when I started talking about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I was providing yeah. context on my relationship with the comics. And I'm sure that I made it clear that I started going to my local comic book store monthly and buying issues when I found out that Joss Whedon yeah. was writing an X-Men series called Astonishing X-Men. And then around that time, I was exposed to another Marvel book uh, called Runaways. Yes. And Runaways is the first thing uh, by Brian K. Vaughn that I read. So uh, Runaways is kind of... The, uh, the, Brian K. Vaughn's written a lot of stuff and I mm -hmm. haven't read all of it. But I think that I, by now, today, as of this year, I think that I've read his major works. Okay. To pretty much to completion. Mm -hmm. And Runaways was my entry point, but chronologically, it's also this like midpoint. Okay. Where more recently, uh, you can read Saga and Paper Girls. And before that... He wrote a series called Why the Last Man. Mm -hmm. And he also wrote a series called Ex Machina, which has nothing to do with the movie of the same name. Uh -huh. And I never read those books until recently. I read uh, the uh, omnibus mm -hmm. for each of them. Um, I will show you uh, what this looks like. Nice. Uh, I'm so reaching. Will is Will is reaching off camera. He has brought onto camera a book that looks like one of you know what this actually reminds me of. Will, yeah, this reminds me of one of my brother's books on Lord of the Rings that he owns. Mm -hmm. My brother owns a hundreds of dollars worth leather bound series of books about Lord of the Rings that have thinner than Bible paper inside oh will mm -hmm. is now showing me another book that is of equal size <laughs> yes so uh i read uh these two uh recently uh, it looks I like they look like they're big they're dictionary sized that's how big they look encyclopedic uh yeah. if you will the, the, this is on the bottom here the omnibus for why the last man and on the top the omnibus for uh ex machina and um Here's here's the main reason why I wanted to uh, devote this episode to comic books, why I wanted it to, to structure it this way to the extent that it has a structure. I haven't taken any notes. I haven't written an outline like <laughs> you would have. Um, I'm, I'm curious, have you ever had this experience where you have an entry point? Mm-hmm. For an artist, it's midway into their career. Mm -hmm. You get really into them. You get their newer stuff. Mm -hmm. It's even better. Mm -hmm. You go back mm -hmm. 
you read the old stuff. Mm-hmm. It sucks. Yes. And I, I actually, I can't say this for like a writer, but this was very much my experience with a lot of bands that I was listening to mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. Um, high school. I because thought, yeah. Like, um, let me try to think of a good example. I know, I know that there's a lot of examples. I think a great example would be, um, actually, I'll use this example instead of using brand new. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, My Chemical Romance. Mm. Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge is a great album. Mm-hmm. Um, after Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge, they had Black Parade, which is like cohesive. It's like super cohesive. Right. Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge is a really good album, um, especially for like the genre and stuff. But it is like a mixed bag of songs. And I don't mean that in terms of quality. I mean in terms of like tone and mm-hmm. and um, subject matter. Their first album, which I don't even know the name of, is just like um, sonically so different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the production quality I don't think is as good. Yeah. Um, I actually will also bring up Me Without You, though I have grown on this album. Yeah. But Me Without You... One of my, maybe maybe my favorite band of all time that isn't Roof Beams. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm see I'm also seeing them at the end of the month. We'll see how that goes. Um, mm. <laughs> I think there's a little bit lower stakes seeing me without you. Just than Phoebe Bridgers. Just the, like there's less prep involved. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, me without you started as like a postcard post hardcore band. So A to B life is very like um very screamy, and then you have Catch for Us the Foxes. Which is still sort of screamy, but way more melodic. And then Brother Sister leans even more into that. And they start leaning more and more into like folklore and folktales. And then you have um, It's All Crazy, It's All False, It's All a Dream, which is just like a folk album. There's like no yelling on that. Mm -hmm. And then after that, they sort of went back and forth with what they were doing. And and it balanced out a little bit more. But, um, you know, I really got into them with Brother Sister. When Brother Sister came out, which was their third album, I was like, Oh my gosh, this is really great. And then some of the stuff on Catch uh, Catch for Us the Foxes, I was like, ah, this is a little bit yelly, but like not every song is and the lyrics are good. And then listening to A to B Life, I just couldn't, I couldn't do it for Mm -hmm. a really long time. And I actually really, really got into that album probably five years ago. Mm -hmm. And it was more so at that point that I just was like, I love this band so much. I know what they're doing now, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um. So I actually do think that album is good now. But <laughs> when when I was a 16-year-old, mm-hmm. 17-year-old, right. um, it was really jarring to go back to something that was so grating mm-hmm. comparatively and also something that was like not based in this sort of like rich folkloric and religious background. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's weird. <laughs> yeah, it happens. You've experienced it. Uh, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I was going to bring up um, when you brought it to music, and I hope I won't offend you by saying this, but I think of The National now. Yeah. I like The National's first two albums more than I like these two giant books that I'm resting my <laughs> arm on. But, but still, I am... I'm basically never going to. Wait, you don't like Alligator? Is Alligator their second album? No, I thought they had two before Alligator. Okay. I know that they have a self-titled that I have. I'm trying to think of what the other one is. I think there's another one besides the self-titled. I will Um, say, though, I have kind of gotten out of the national. And that's fair. Uh, Because their newer stuff is just kind of all over the place. 
it's interesting. It's 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 far from my favorite stuff that they've done. Uh, but uh, my, you're, you're my, right. They had mm-hmm. the self-titled that was the national mm-hmm. sad songs for dirty lovers. Right. Yes, those are the two I'm referring to. And then, as far as I'm concerned, alligator, boxer, and high violet are all perfect. And mm-hmm. then trouble will find me, sleep will beast, and I am easy to find are like. <laughs> yeah, I like trouble will find me uh, more than that. Um, but it is not quite up there with, uh, high violet alligator and boxer. The, the, the point is my point is I'm never going to put on those first two national albums. Yeah, neither. And likewise, I don't recommend reading either of these two books. So, (laughs) um, let's, uh, let's go through these, I think chronologically, Okay. And um, I'm going to ask you if you know anything about them and then sort of bring you up to speed on what I think is uh, interesting about each of them. Why the Last Man, um, I think, is a relatively famous comic book mm-hmm. uh, by the standard of uh, you know, it's not a famous superhero thing. Yeah. Um, so uh, I had pretty high expectations for Why the Last Man, uh, given it, I feel like it's kind of a legendary book. Mm-hmm. And then I read it and I realized, oh, this is like, this was, this was, this is one of those things that it's like, I don't know what it was like to read it at the time it was being yeah. published, but I can imagine it was timely then. It was uh, interesting and different than reading it today. I, I have to assume that it's aged really poorly. And I say assume because, again, I don't know if it was ever good. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Can we see what, the cover for that? Yeah, of course. Uh, what do you know about Why the Last Man? Did they make this into something? Yes, they did. I was going to bring that up as well. I The only thing I know is that I, I think it was made into something, but I couldn't even tell you what. Yeah, so this- A, was, a musical. No, uh, uh, <laughs> that might be good. Um, somebody probably has worked on that at some point. Uh, no, they- pretty recently made this into a TV show on FX. Okay. Uh, which was canceled after its one uh, season. Uh-huh. And uh, uh, that came to be after, like, for years and years, people worked on adapting this for, oh, no. for, for film or television. It was just one of those things that it was like, Inevitably, this has to be brought to the screen, but mm-hmm. it just went through too many hands. Hands. Here's too the much thing. time. Here's the thing. I watched the Why the Last Man TV yeah. show. Yeah. I didn't watch it when it was brand new. Mm-hmm. I watched it just this past month. Oh. Because of this podcast, because yeah. I wanted to be able to talk about it. And here's the thing about it. It's good. 
the show is pretty good. <laughs> the show is like the show is really updating the material. Okay. It is not a slavishly faithful adaptation. Mm-hmm. It does a lot of updating and a lot of remixing of the original material. It's way better than the comic. Wow. And, and for a show by the standards of today when it's like it's one of a million shows that are exactly like this. Yeah. It's pretty good. It doesn't stand out that much. But it was it, clearly way went above your expectations. It went way above my expectations. The cast is really, really good. Like the Who's in it? Is there anybody I know? The, the one anybody fa- I'm friends with? The one famous person in it is Diane Lane. And she okay. and she plays the title character's mother who becomes the president. And uh uh everyone else was uh new to me, but just played their roles really well and mm-hmm. and like brought the characters to life. Nice. In a way where I was like, this is consistent with my mental image of the characters that was created by the comic book. Nice. And uh, it is successful it, m- more so than actually reading the book. Mm-hmm. I, I seem to recall I might have talked to you a little bit about this, but maybe I'm just remembering. I know I've talked to Dana about it. Um, what do you think that this book is about? Is it about... I don't know what it's about. So based on the title, yeah, is it about a singular genetic XY person that's left on the world? Yes, I think yes. If I understand you correctly, then you're correct. I don't want to say I, I'm trying to not be bioessentialist. You're trying to be much more careful than this book is. Yes. <laughs> The, the the book is literally called The Last Man. <laughs> and and yet the book says mm-hmm. in pretty clear terms that when the semi-apocalyptic event happens to kick off the story, mm-hmm. what happens is everyone, every not just every person. Mm-hmm. But every creature mm-hmm. with a Y chromosome uh-huh. dies, <laughs> except for this one cis guy and his capuchin monkey. Why? Who is also male. <laughs> oh, thank God. <laughs> that You asked why. That Not only is that the title, but... <laughs> But also, um, you know, that's that's a big mystery that drives most of this. But I'm holding it up again yeah. for the size. <laughs> this book, I could tell you what the answer is, but it would not be satisfying. Like you, <laughs> out of context, it would mean nothing. Yeah. And then in context of actually having to read the thing, uh-huh. it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> sure <laughs> sounds no, good nothing particularly interesting about that answer to that question um but i guess that's it 
Um, I, as a side note, Kenny just finished reading Attack on Titan. Um, okay. The last, like, book of it just came out mm-hmm. sort of recently, and the library didn't have it for a long time, so finally he just bought it. And I had watched a lot of the anime of Attack on Titan with Kenny, and he would sort of explained to me what had happened in some of the other books, but not in a while. And I was like, can you tell me what happens at the end of Attack on Titan? I like, do they all die or like... <laughs> He was like, there's no way I can tell you what happened at the end of Attack on Titan. Mm-hmm. And I was like, could you just try? Because like, I don't actually want to read these books. Yeah. And he did. he did. He did He did summarize it to me over a period of about 15 minutes. Yeah, but it's like, how do I tell you the ending without telling you like <laughs> most of the middle? Uh, okay, so I have a, a hypothesis. Okay. And we're going to test it with an experiment. And like Ooh. any and like any hypothesis, I want it to be confirmed, mm-hmm. but the experiment may actually disprove it. This omnibus, unlike the other one I have next to it, mm-hmm. it has numbered pages. Oh, yeah. So I know without having to count the pages that there are about 1,424 pages Mm-hmm. of this comic book yeah the experiment runs like this and i will tell you in a moment what the hypothesis is the experiment is liz would you please give me any number between 8 and 1424 okay liz is thinking of a number 925 925. Okay, I am flipping to page 925. I'm almost there. Okay, and I'm just going to have a look at the dialogue balloons here. Have a look-see. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so the hypothesis that I was trying to test is... In that many pages, almost Mm -hmm. 1,500, if you flip to any random one, my hypothesis is that there would be something on there that I would not want to read. Like out loud, you mean? Like out loud. Oh my gosh, I was going to joke like, are you just going to say that there's three different slurs on this page? (laughs) (laughs) That would be be probably the top result. For what I was looking to happen. Um, as it is, uh, I mean, somebody calls somebody Signorina <laughs> on this page that you picked. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so, I mean, that's not nothing. No. <laughs> uh, and somebody says, uh, somebody says, I thought these freaks were with you. Um, I don't remember the context well enough. I think there's, I think they're freaks just because they're wearing like, based on their armor, not something to do with their identity. Uh-huh. I can tell you more about why I've done this or you want to run the experiment one more time? Let's do it one more time. Let's do 10-21. Okay. Wasn't expecting you to go higher, but that's fine. Well, I just did my birthday and Blake's birthday. Oh, that's fun. 
I don't know why I didn't do Kenny's. Congratulations, Blake. I'll do uh, I'll do my birthday uh, after this, and that'll complete the experiment. Mm-hmm. Okay, ten twenty one. There is a lot of dialogue on this page. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I f- okay, so this is someone saying, "My job was to catch." Husbands cheating on their wives, but I found that nearly as many women were seeking discreet pleasures outside of marriage. Uh, and then the main character says, you're just better at not getting caught, right? Yeah, my sister subscribed to Cosmo, too. It's pretty funny. Um, it's not. That's why I said that. <laughs> Thanks for uh, clarifying, Will. Okay, so they're they're talking about sex robots. Okay, gotta love it. The main character makes a joke. He says, so you were just filling a hole. And then he says, so to speak. And then so to speak is in a separate speech bubble. He's talking about like filling a gap in the market, right? But yeah. wink, wink, pun. Yeah. Um. So I didn't want, I really didn't want to read that out loud. So that confirms my <laughs> hypothesis. I'm going to flip to 118 for my own birthday. Hell yeah. But uh, just to say, uh, despite this book being called The Last Man, the show, uh, when I said that the show updates the material, the show does a much more thorough, clearer job of recognizing that trans people exist. Good. And that trans men, provided that they had no Y chromosome dormant or otherwise yeah, in their genetics, uh, they must have survived. This book, it's in here if you look hard enough, but they, they don't really get into it. Yeah. Um, and, the, and it's still called The Last Man and so is the show, unfortunately. Uh, mm-hmm. Even though the show like the show like invents a trans man character and like makes him sort of a supporting main character. Yeah. Um, so w- perhaps why the last uh, cis man? Yes. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, wait. No, sorry. That's 116. I have to flip one more. Uh, 118. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm not going to go on Mike saying that word. <gasps> no. <laughs> it's a word I can say, but yeah. I'm just, I'm not going to, I'm not going to put it on record and then release it to the public. Can, wait, can you give us, can you, I'm not even saying, like, tell me what the word is, but can you give me a context, like a Like if buck, we were, if, if we were saying this and we were not looking to insult anyone, we were being literal we would say sex worker. Ah, yes. Okay. Today. Uh, let's see if there's anything else on here. There's more dialogue. Yeah. No, there's nothing worse than that in particular. Still, though, that's every single page out of three randomly chosen pages. Yeah. And when I uh, when I said I was flipping the page, I was looking at 116 when for a moment I thought I was looking at 118. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, oh, okay, good. We got the C word here. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, 
how so how much that's a random selection yeah having read the whole thing what can i tell you about how much worse it gets than that well here's here's what i thought of reading this did you ever have the this experience that i remember having in english class in high school and we were reading uh dickens and in the course of reading and discussing Dickens, his work, and his life, the teacher uh, mentions, for, for context, to enrich the, the reading for the young minds in the room, you know, when this was originally published, it was serialized. Yes. It was uh-huh. not published in this, it, much like a comic book, and much like this collects the serialized story uh, of that comic book, this, you know, what you have as a novel, it was printed chapter by chapter in like periodicals, newspapers, magazines. Mm-hmm. That was how people would read it. And also- Which is also why there's all these weird cliffhangers every chapter. <laughs> that's right. And also <laughs> uh, because uh, they were being published in that medium, mm-hmm. the teacher lets it slip. I, I call it letting it slip because I don't think that you should tell this to kids when you're assigning them to read this type of stuff uh-huh. that Dickens and other people writing in that medium were paid by the word. Yes. Yeah. I heard that as like a <laughs> sophomore in high school uh-huh. and I thought, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> Making me read this <laughs> when the way that it was written mm-hmm. was so that there were as many words as possible <laughs> to get the most money possible. Yes, for the assignment. That's nuts. We can we can we can leave that in the past. We we, we don't have to. We don't have to read that. There's uh, surely there's other stuff that was that wasn't written this way that has, to be verbose that has equal or greater historical, cultural value, literary literary merit. value that that wasn't written in such a way <laughs> that the that the verbosity yeah fills the the coffers of of the of the author <laughs> yeah. The reason I thought of this was because reading Why the Last Man, I thought, hmm, the best explanation for how this is written is that perhaps Brian K. Vaughn was being paid (laughs) by his use of a particular word. Oh, a particular one. That I will not be saying (laughs) (laughs) on mic. (laughs) Follow up question. Is it the word you're thinking of? Answer, no, but is that also in here? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely white man Brian K. Vaughn in the early aughts found like two or maybe three occasions in 1,500 pages to put that word. Uh, it's not called end the last man. <laughs> but that's in here. But no, what word am I referring to? That... 
I'm today in 2022. I won't be saying on mic. Yeah. But in the early aughts, when this was written and published, it's all over this thing. Is like, it the F slur? No. Good okay. guess. But no, it's something that at the time, certainly I was using. I was a child or a teenager. Uh-huh. Um, and, and it's written as if it is important that every <laughs> single character use this word yeah. ca- casually and often. I'm, so, I'm talking, uh, and, and look, when I tell you what it is, I, then I have to recognize it may sound like I'm being hypocritical. Yeah. Because we've talked about this word before. So we're mm-hmm. going to, so I'm going to recap and tell you why this is different. Okay. And I'm only a little bit hypocrite. I'm talking about the R word. I will not, Oh, yes. I will not be saying the R word today. Yes, absolutely. Now, hypocrisy check. Hypocrisy corner. <laughs> Will's hypocrisy corner. I've done an episode of this uh, podcast about the show Rick and Morty. Mm-hmm. When I think there is just one scene where they stop down the episode to talk about the use of that word. Yeah. And if you know anything about the characters, you don't even need to have seen the scene to know. It's a scene where Rick uses the word. Morty explains why you're not supposed to do that. And then, yeah. Rick, and then Rick says it again. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't like that scene. There are scenes yeah. of the show that I don't like. That scene feels like it has an agenda and it's stupid. Yeah. Um, so no hypocrisy there because I don't approve of that, even though (laughs) I have said, uh, what I like about the show. Yes. Also, you may recall, I did an episode of this podcast about another Adult Swim cartoon called the Venture Brothers. Yes. There are multiple occasions where that word is used. I think we talked about it in the episode. Because I think I was the one that brought it up. I'm sure you did. And you, it wasn't even in your memory as being in the show just because you hadn't like rewatched. I think those I parts rewatched maybe my favorite episodes in order to prep for the episode. Yeah. I don't remember if it came up, but I, whether I said it then or not, what I recall, and forgive me if there's an exception to this, uh-huh. but look, we can talk about how it's a product of its time. And if they made new episodes of the Venture Brothers today, they probably wouldn't do that. Yeah. But that show started like 15 years ago. Likewise, yeah. this comic is from that era as well. Yeah. But also, but here's he, that they have that in common. Here's what they don't have in common. I th- I think, forgive me if there's an exception to the rule, that when that is used on the Venture Brothers, they are careful about whose mouth it is in. Yeah. It is a teenager who doesn't know better and that's how they express themselves or it is a literal bad guy. Yes. A yeah, that sounds right to a me. A professional villain. A professional who villain. Says it. In Why the Last Man, like I said before, it's as if it's important that every character use it. <laughs> at, fir- at first I thought, oh, this is just from the main character and that's his personality. And then every single person. <laughs> it's it's nuts. So Yeah. And that and and so 
perhaps that leads me to maybe the last thing that I want to say about The Last Man, which is even when it's not using slurs and words that make us cringe today, 10, 15, 20 years later. Yeah. Um, the dialogue is... We need to, we need to have, I think as a culture, we pretty much have a shorthand for a type of dialogue. The shorthand is, it's weed me. Mm-hmm. And what we mean by that is that there's a lot of joke cracking. Mm-hmm. And in particular, it seems to be just for the audience's benefit. Mm-hmm. And it seems to be flexing a muscle that is isn't isn't this wordplay clever? Mm-hmm. And uh, often the wordplay is not just puns, but like the pun is possible because it's like making a reference to something, yeah. a pop culture reference. That's not all bad, in my opinion. No, no. It gets grating, but there are instances of it that I can still enjoy today. And certainly historically, I've been guilty of enjoying more than I would today. Mm-hmm. The 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 dialogue factor in here is amped up. And that's also a pun, and I'll tell you why in a minute. <laughs> you, you haven't read it, so you don't know. But it, it is amped up beyond eleven. the 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 main character is insufferable, and the, and this is and this is one of the things that the show gets right. Uh-huh. Is that the show makes the circumstances of his life and some of the stuff that he says and does makes it clear that he's a fuck up. And that's uh-huh. Im- and that's important, and that's as it should be. Good. But also in the show, there's something inherently likable about him mm-hmm. that makes you want to watch him and root for him. This is just like, imagine the worst guy that is a mutual acquaintance of ours <laughs> who we both have stories about. Oh, oh no. And imagine he was the last <laughs> cis man on earth. Oh no, oh no. So, Kenny okay. had a dream about that person last night, by the way. Why is it called Why the Last Man? Because of the Y chromosome. But yes. in order to call it that, he has to have a name that starts with Y. Jasper. No. <laughs> Yorick. So in order for that to be his name, uh-huh. his father must have been a Shakespeare scholar. That's also true of the character in the book. Yes. And also he has a sister and his sister is named Hero. H-I-R-O? No. H-E-R-O? Yes. Which is the name of a character in Much Ado About Nothing. Oh, Okay. So they're both Shakespeare references, and that is obviously done in a sort of, okay, well, this all needs to be true in order for his name to start with Y, and the book is called Why the Last Man, and that's a yep. reference to the Y chromosome, 
reaching a little too far <laughs> for yeah. kind of a pointless I- idea. <laughs> y- Yorick, to bring it back to what kind of a guy Yorick is, uh-huh. Yorick is an escape artist. He knows a lot of magic tricks. Oh, okay. And his personality and the stuff that he says matches that. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it is sort of a book about dragging this guy through the mud and torturing him. Mm-hmm. But in a way where you're supposed to feel bad for him <laughs> and, and not really like root for his pain and death, <laughs> which is what I, what, mainly what I wanted to do reading it. So that's why it's called The Smug Butts, is because I'm really <laughs> smug about why I don't enjoy this book. Um, let's move on, unless you have any other comments or questions. I just want to let you know that I asked Kenny to bring me a Pepsid because I'm experiencing some acid reflux. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> so there might be a small interruption. Um, this is one of the symptoms of my illness. <laughs> I'm 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 sorry to hear you you're suffering from that and I was about to move on but I looked at the back of the book and it reminded me <laughs> I said I said I was going to explain why I made a pun unintentionally yes, the before. Ant. Yeah. So his capuchin monkey is is named Ampersand or Amp for short. They they call him Amp. And so when I said that the Whedon dialogue was amped up Beyond 11. I, I, hate, I hate this because it's very annoying to me in this context. But like if I were to meet an animal named Ampersand that you called Amp like a dog or something, I would I would be very endeared to this animal. <laughs> <laughs> but like for a monkey, I'm annoyed for yeah. some reason. Because, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, our oh, it's raining. That's good. Um, our friend Amber um, Taylor, nay, Cook. Uh, wrote with a lot of ampersands yep. in uh, college to the point that she was um, I criticized. Barely, I for barely it. knew her and her work, <laughs> and I still think about this a lot. Like I think about the story as you told it to me, yeah. of a professor asking the question, like, "Well, what if the what if an ampersand was just a square and it didn't look like that?" It was, it was a and triangle, the, and but the, yeah, uh, and the pointlessness of that question. <laughs> Yeah, and <laughs> and the irrelevance and the how other embarrassing profe- that is. The other professor said, "Well, but it doesn't matter because mm-hmm. it's yeah. not a triangle." And she was like, "Don't worry, I got this." <laughs> yeah. And then like explained how they look like little nuts. But her name was Amber, and so we we called her Amber Sand. Right, that's good, <laughs> and that's good, and I approve of it. So the other thing, so this will be my transition from one omnibus into the next. Besides the Whedon-y dialogue and the uh, words that you hate to read today, the other thing that Vaughn does a lot, and he clearly uh, recognizes it and, and he calls it out sometimes, is he puts a lot of uh, like facts and information into his writing, into mm-hmm. his dialogue. It's a lot of people... You know, one person saying to another person, like, did you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, th- often the way that that manifests in Why the Last Man is a lot of the work that he does is envisioning 
how would the world be different under these circumstances? Yeah. What would be missing? I.e. like what jobs were done pretty much exclusively by cis men. Lawn care companies. Mm, yes, we've yeah, we talked about this uh just <laughs> just last month. Um so like part of the book is like when it happens, you know, like 99% of the planes that were in the air crash fall to the ground. God. You know, that sort of, that sort of thing. Yeah. And it's a lot of like did you know that you know, there's stuff about like biodiversity and other species. There, there's a geneticist character who is like counting down like this species is dead. This species will be gone tomorrow. You know, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, I thought of that because I was telling you about the monkey ampersand, and there is an explanation for that name that doesn't come until late, late into why the last man, mm-hmm. and it has to do with writing credits on movies okay which is like a guild and like compensation thing Mm -hmm. if you see a movie attributed to multiple writers if you see an ampersand in between their names instead of the word and then those people were like a writing team like they were actual collaborators But if you see the word and, they're not a team. They're not collaborators. They worked on it separately. Yeah. Uh, and that is Yorick's explanation for why he named his monkey Ampersand. And that's the kind of thing. That's nice, actually. It's it's not bad. Yeah. I'm, I'm not uh, bringing it up to poo-poo it. But just yeah. because the name came up and also because it's a good example of this is sort of like a fun fact. Yeah. And Brian K. Vaughn is the kind of writer who think that, thinks that that's so interesting that it's like, oh, okay, this character that I'm writing will know that fact and they will mm-hmm. bring it up to somebody else and they will, mm-hmm. you know, use it. So that brings me to Ex Machina. What do you know about Ex Machina? I know nothing about this. I don't think I know a thing unless you tell me something that I know that I didn't realize. I don't expect you to know anything about this, really. Okay. I barely knew anything about this when I bought it and read it. Um, the uh, back of the book, uh, the text begins with a heading. The mayor wore a jetpack. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I have one question about yes. why the man... Is the reason that the um, that the mother becomes president because she was like a low-ranking official? Yes, but she's now the highest-ranking official. Was uh, she the secretary of education? It it is more complicated than that, but yes, you you are you are correct. Part of the book is about Washington D.C. politics, and part of it is about well, if all the men die, then who's the president? Who? What? What? What position? Do you know what position she was in? It's different in the book and in the show, and I have the show in More my freshly head. in your mind. Yeah, so um, it's either edu- in the show. The next in line is the Secretary of Education, but also in the show, Yorick's mom is not Secretary of Education. She's a Congresswoman, I think, and and. Uh, 
she's there and the next in line for the presidency is not. She's Okay. So there's like a power struggle. Do you in, know why I bring this up? In the book, I think she never actually becomes president. York's mom, okay. if I remember correctly. And I want to say agriculture came up in the book, not education. Mm-hmm. But I might be remembering wrong. Why um, do you ask? Battlestar Galactica. Have mm. you watched Battlestar Galactica? No, I'm 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 kind of familiar, but I haven't actually watched it. It's it's very good. Yeah. Um and what happens at Battle at the beginning, like the first episode of Battlestar Galactica, is the Cylons come and they wreck Earth. And basically the only people left are the people who are on a couple of spaceships. Right. Um or that were able to evacuate quickly into these spaceships, mm-hmm. including one of the battle stars. Right. Um, and the only person left from the government is the secretary of education. And she's the one that becomes the president, which right. is why I was asking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but she, um, that actress is incredible. She's like, she does such a, she's such a complex and nuanced character in that show. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it's very funny that it at least is mentioned in the TV show it, in the same way. <laughs> this is barely related, but you just reminded me. You asked me who of your friends is in the cast of Why the Last Man. Yeah. And I said the most person fam- famous person is Diane Lane. But I forgot until just a moment ago. There is someone else in the cast. Uh, Amber Tamblin was on the Why the Last Man uh, oh, nice. TV show. David Cross's wife. Yes. She plays a character who I think was invented for the show. If she's in the comic at all, it's a very minor part. She plays the daughter of the man who was president. Okay. Uh, when it happens. Mm-hmm. And her, she is very conservative Republican. And she is like an author. And like her whole, she, her whole thing is like she's obsessed with traditional gender roles. <laughs> And then all the men die. Asterisks. No, not all the men die. Yeah. Um, okay, so I, I swear I'm moving on, but I got to say, I look, I got to call out why the last man on the front, it has a quote on the cover, uh-huh. a little testimonial. And the quote is, the best graphic novel I've ever read. <laughs> and that is attributed to Stephen King. Oh, Stephen. Stephen's such a grandpa. I have a message for Stephen King. <laughs> Re- Why the Last Man? More. Why the Last Man is not a graphic novel. <laughs> I he's such an old man. I as like Will is saying this to me as he can see my Stephen King tattoo that I have. Yes. And I will not stand Stephen King forever. This is actually more specifically from a specific book. But um he he does just feel like a grandpa now where he's sure. really trying his best but he just doesn't he just doesn't get everything all the time. But do you under I I bet I bet you do. I'm sure you do. You understand why I say that this is not a graphic novel, right? Yeah, cuz it's not a graphic novel. You it's brought, a collection of comics. You, you when when you were mentioning your baseline before you said you read more graphic novels and graphic memoirs. Yeah. This was a comic book. Yes. That came out in monthly issues. Yes. Uh, for years and years. And now it's collected like this. Same is true for Ex Machina. So mm-hmm. uh, this is 
if if why the last man is recognizably of its time because of some of the language that it uses and it, it it's um uh not very nuanced uh ha- handling of sex and gender mm-hmm. ex machina is of its time because it, it it's it's the most overtly post 9-11 uh. story I've ever experienced. I've never you know, I've never watched the movie World Trade Center or or anything like that that's literally just about that. Yeah. This is uh what if uh there it's New York City uh at the turn of the century there are no superheroes. All of that is comic books. Marvel Comics and DC Comics. And this one guy, uh, he he gets a superpower in an accident. Mm-hmm. And his superpower is he can communicate with machines. Okay. And he he loved superhero comics growing up. And so he tries to become a vigilante superhero for New York City himself. Uh-huh. He fumbles his way through it for years. Uh-huh. Until he... Wait, is 9-11 in this book? Yes, I'm getting to that. Oh, my God. <laughs> so before it happens, he decides... He's, he's, he's built up enough notoriety as he calls himself the Great Machine, mm-hmm. which is a reference to, uh, like... Thomas Jefferson called democracy that or called America that or something like that. That's yeah. the kind of fun fact that we're dealing with yeah. in this context. Uh-huh. Um, he he reveals his secret identity uh, to the city in order to run for mayor. Sorry, my eyes just rolled out of my head. <laughs> and then during his campaign, 9-11 happens we know it happens because one of the planes hits one of the towers. Mm-hmm. They didn't hit simultaneously. Yes. One of them came after. Yeah. He intercepts the second one. So this is a world where 9-11 half happened. <laughs> I'm like, how do you feel about this? Like, you're you're a New Yorker. I read the first issue. The first issue makes most of what I'm saying clear. Yeah. I think the final image in the first issue is a splash page of the one tower still standing and the other one has a spotlight in its place. Yeah. I read that and I thought I might like this book. It this might be an interesting alternate history. Mm-hmm. And then it never really did anything interesting enough mm-hmm. with that setup. That sucks. So if you're wondering uh, where how I'm going to rank these things, mm-hmm. I like Why the Last Man the Least. 
Okay. I never really said, look, there's occasionally good stuff that I like in Why the Last Man. It's a huge yeah. book. I didn't 100% hate it. <laughs> yeah. There's stuff that I like to the point where it's like, oh, I, I really wish I could like this, but the mm-hmm. problems outweigh the stuff that I like. Yeah. The narrative that I'm building is that Ex Machina goes a little bit farther in that direction. Mm-hmm. Not the hating it more direction, but the fewer problems, yeah. liking it more direction. Still not enough to really endorse or recommend it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's mostly, it's more of a failure than a success. But there are parts of it that I really like. Yeah. So um, because, uh, well, I won't say because, but after 9-11 half happens, uh-huh. he wins the election and he becomes the mayor of New York City. So sort of a Giuliani type. So... <laughs> I wish you could see the the, the the small muscle movements that just happened in Will's face. It was like he had been spritzed with acid. I was thinking like, do I have to do I have to say anything about like well the context is that he beats Giuliani because Giuliani was already mayor and yeah. there are like references to Giuliani. There are reference because it's in the real world and he's mayor of New York City. Yeah. For like the whole book, that's what the book is. The the book is not from him getting his powers yeah. to becoming mayor. The book is he's the mayor. Here's why and here's what he does with that. Yeah. And a lot of it is told in flashback. Uh-huh. Everything to when he was a vigilante superhero is a flashback. And it like never really tells a single complete story from those days it just does like vignettes and stuff yeah that's because that's like the b story the a story is he's mayor of new york city and he's not doing any superhero stuff anymore it's very <laughs> obviously inspired by aaron sorkin and the west wing mm. to which i say <laughs> who cares yeah um, the the real problem with this book, yes, is politics. Mm-hmm. The main i i i do not understand what the point of writing this main character was, <laughs> because he's not written like I'm supposed to root for him, and he's not written like I'm supposed to hate him. Oh, what am I so stupid that I don't deal in like gray areas and like anti heroes and no, it's you know I I yeah I'm loving uh you know, the the final season of Better Call Saul and, and and things of that nature, but this guy in this book, he runs as an independent. Uh-huh. He's a real centrist. It, it, if if it. If it's making any kind of a statement at all, it seems to be making a statement that maybe needed to be made at the time. Mm-hmm. But in my opinion, we are so far past today. And when did this come out? It, it around the same time as Why the Last Man, like the okay. the early to mid first decade of the twenty first century. 
I just like I I'm thinking about this too because like I, I know I, I feel like both of us have very specific relationships. I mean everybody does. Maybe actually that's not true. Not everybody does at this point because now there are young people for whom 9/11 was is history to them. Mm-hmm. It is the same as Pearl Harbor is to us. It's yep. a terrible thing that happened, but we didn't experience. They didn't experience it in real time. And um you know, you were in New York. I was in Pennsylvania, uh which had a plane go down, but also, as I don't know if I've ever mentioned this, do you know about how close I live to Three Mile Island? Do you mm-hmm. know what Three Mile Island is? Yes, and yes. Um, so yeah, I could see from my high school from the second floor, uh, which my high school is right next to my junior high where I was at the time, I could see the steam coming off of Three Mile Island. Like, mm-hmm. that's how close we were. Union Deposit Road, which was the road that I lived on the other side of, was the line mm-hmm. for evacuation if there was a leak. If I had been home, I would have been evacuated. If I was at school, I would not have been. We had iodide pills in our rooms, in every room in the classroom to take if there was a leak. I guess that to protect our thyroid. <laughs> so the real fear was that they were going to bomb the nuclear power plant Mm -hmm. when we didn't know what was happening still Mm -hmm. and i just like can't imagine (laughs) i'm just like hearing you explain this book to me and it just sounds like so boring (laughs) like like this terrifying thing happens and now we have to live now i have to like read this book about this guy who's like saved us sort of i assume he didn't save anybody in altoona and like Oh, I just, I'm like pained by this. <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. like pained by your, de- not by your description, but by the description that you have provided. <laughs> Boring is the right word for it, in my opinion. Um, I, I should say, so it, it, this, since this was coming out in monthly issues, um, it it's clear when it, it's structured in arcs, right? Uh-huh. And I think that these are five issue arcs, if I remember correctly. And it is, it's painfully clear. You can read about this. A lot of times when you buy an edition like this, it's got everything. It's got like special features. It's got like behind the scenes. And And like alternate covers and stuff. So you can read, um, you can read his pitch for the series. And it's very clear. He lays out. It's going to be in five issue arcs. That's going to be great for selling trade paperbacks. And each uh, arc is going to have an A, a B, and a C plot. And the C plot is about, you know, his personal relationships. The B plot is about the vigilante superheroics that he used to do. Mm-hmm. And the A plot is about... Uh, uh, something in particular he's dealing with as mayor Mm -hmm. so uh it is it's painfully clear like oh this is the uh i'm trying to think of an example besides abortion but the abortion is the only example i can think of yeah oh gay marriage that's a that's a big one early on in the run this is this is the gay marriage arc yeah this is the one that deals with that i have i have a question yeah i i I'm curious why this this is to be a a comic series. Mm-hmm. This seems like something that should be a novel. Mm. Well, it seems like something. Do you know what I mean? Like from what you're describing, it's a lot of like talking. Yes, right. <laughs> it, it, it is. It's so it's so clearly blatantly Sorkin. Like if 
it was uh, realized in a medium with movement, like television or film, Mo- yeah. a lot of the scenes would be them walking and talking. It's yeah. a comic book, so they stand and talk or sit and talk. <laughs> yeah. they, they literally cannot move. They are still, the characters are still images. They are yeah. always stationary, even when movement is implied. <laughs> um so so uh it's like what if sorkin couldn't do a walk and talk (laughs) yeah um so i i the only i mean the first answer that pops into my head is sort of repeating what i was just saying which is that it is so blatantly designed to be serialized yeah to be like we are going to take on one issue at a time one issue per issue? No, per arc. One issue per arc. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so to give you an idea of why you or I would rub up against this politically, reading this thing from several years ago, mm-hmm. and now it's today, there's an arc where the Pope wants to meet the main character. Okay. Pope John Paul II is in this comic book. Was that the Nazi pope? No, you're no, that he followed uh John Paul II. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> uh and then retired to make way for the current pope. Yeah, wasn't he like the only pipe pope that's ever retired or something? I think that there's a long history of popes and I Re- recently anyway, like oh, in of course, any of course. recent memory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They just wait. Normally they just wait to die in the modern age. Yes. You're, su- yeah. you're supposed to die as Pope. And, yeah. uh, that guy, you can watch, uh, the two popes movie about it. <laughs> right. And it's very charming. <laughs> right. Um, there's a scene where <laughs> we've made so many jokes about the two popes. There's a scene where there's a scene where the two popes are, uh, eating pizza <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they are talking about how historically the Pope, uh, like a king, used to have a uh, a, a food taster who was testing uh-huh. for poison. And uh, Francis, what, who, the man who would become Pope Francis, says to Pope Benedict, uh, you know, maybe I should take a bite of your slice of pizza. And uh, Pope Benedict, who is being played by Anthony Hopkins says no that's my pizza (laughs) and it's it's very playful (laughs) oh god it's it's cute so yes a pope shows up in this comics yeah so the pope calls uh uh, by the way his name is his name is mayor hundred his last name is hundred hundred and uh the pope calls mayor hundred to the vatican and uh, while he's in the Vatican, he meets uh, someone who works for the Pope. I don't remember. And falls in love. I don't remember whether this guy is a bishop or or whatever he's supposed to be. But he's like, to Mayor Hundred, oh, I think you're the Antichrist. <laughs> and he does it in a very polite way. He's like having a conversation with him. He's not. Uh-huh. And they talk about issues. And uh, the the Vatican guy says to the mayor, um, blah, 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 coming from you, somebody who's pro-abortion. Mm-hmm. And Mayor Hundred says, well, look, buddy, I know we have our differences, but 
I haven't met anyone who is pro-abortion. <laughs> Which I said, I know a podcast you can listen to if you're still <laughs> if you're still alive, Mayor Hundred in 2022. I know a podcast. Um, Episode ten. So, uh, of this podcast, wasn't the tenth episode my abortion podcast? I think it's seven or nine. Because 10 is, I think, my episode on The Witness. You're right. It's nine. Yeah. We had to, we had to save the, we had to save the witness. <laughs> we had to follow that up with The Witness. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, what is left? What is left to say? Um, should I tell you the ending? Yes. Spoilers for Ex Machina. <laughs> um, it ends when uh, Mayor 100 is... Uh, hundred years old. He's become uh, he's become the vice president of the United States of America. What? And the president is John McCain. <laughs> and like I hate all of I hate it so much. And like the reveal of that information <laughs> is like the very last page of the book. Like that's as if that's like what it's been building up to. I, re- I remembered I remembered the other thing that I wanted to say about this book and this in particular this omnibus collection yeah this is the so I called out the Stephen King quote on the other one yeah this one doesn't have a quote on the outside I want to call out it has on the inside an introduction that I want to call out okay it's written by Brad Meltzer and uh, it is you know, like an introduction in this context should be mm-hmm. heaping praise on the book that you're about to read. The reason I want to talk about this is just to say that, in my opinion, this introduction is ruinous. It the, the, Basically, the idea that gives a structure to hanging these compliments on yeah. is... Brian K. Vaughn is a magician and the book you're about to read is a magic trick. <laughs> a real magician tells you what he's going to do. This book shows you the ending and then you you wait on bated breath and then you you can't believe the ending when it happens. The magician is like, <laughs> I'm going to make this disappear and then you're like, oh, how's he going to do that? And you see him yeah. do it and you still don't know how he did it. And the way that that is supposed to translate to this is, oh, the first pages of this book, of the first issue, are real present day, future for most of the story that you're going to read. Mm-hmm. The main character is saying to you, hey, this is my story Right here in the present day, when I'm able to tell it to you, things are really bad. And they're going to get really bad. And at the end of the story, something really like a big disaster is going to happen. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, okay, I'm intrigued. Somebody told me this is a magic trick. They showed me the ending. What's going to happen to make it end this way? Mm-hmm. Compared to what could happen, nothing, nothing happens. Yeah. There's there's a very clear like 
very often referenced throughout the story mm-hmm. threat to like every to the world to the universe to reality as we know it there's this you know mystery of how he got his powers where they came from and it's like more and more is being revealed over time and it's like oh this is going to end with this major threat coming mm-hmm. and something you know something worse than 9/11 is going to happen and it's going to be ironically because yeah he half prevented 9/11 something like that yeah it never it never happens the book the book <laughs> ends and the threat is just like still looming out there like nothing nothing really that interesting happens at the at the climax that's have you watched or read this is comic book related the umbrella academy no i i haven't i've done neither we just watched um the first season mm-hmm. and i haven't read it but i think i would like to also gerard way wrote it and you know here's some more my my chemical romance for you um but the the premise of that is that there are these kids that were brought up by this guy and they all have superpowers and they're brought up as siblings but they're not related to each other and um, in the first episode, you learn that um, seven days from the first episode, the world is going to end. Mm-hmm. Like everything is going to be destroyed on the world. Um, and the reason we know that is because one of the kids, uh, when they were when he was like fourteen, accidentally time traveled into the future um, to the day or two days after this happened, basically. And uh, he's been alive this whole time and has just figured out a way to make it back. And so the whole first season is you trying to figure out with everybody else, why is the world going to end? Who is the catalyst of this? And also, like, can it be prevented? Because there's a whole time travel commission. It's a very much like, this is a fixed point. You can't, like, change this situation. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, yes, exactly what you're talking about. And I thought it was done really well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So it's because there is a payoff yeah, and there is like th- shit is earned. You know what I mean? Um, And so, yeah, to hear that, like, <laughs> it's like building to this and then it just ends with John McCain as president. It's bizarre. It's like the payoff is John McCain as president. That is ultimately what it is. And it is bizarre. Um, So moving on. Uh, farther along the spectrum, mm-hmm. traveling farther away from I have problems with this and farther along the path of I enjoy this. This is the first one where I can give a partial recommendation. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I said, these are all written by Brian K. Vaughn. Yeah. The next one is Runaways. So um, right. I'm holding up Volume one of Runaways in its uh, hardcover edition. So um, I think the context for this is a little bit interesting. Well, first, let me ask you, what do you know about Runaways? Is Runaways, Runaways is um, Marvel? Yes. (laughs) I feel so accomplished. And um, they're kids. Yep. They're like teenagers, mm-hmm. mostly. Mm-hmm. And they all have, are they related to the X-Men? Is it X-Men world? Um, Technically. Okay. Um, 
but they have powers. Yes. This is what I know. Very good. That's a very good starting place. <laughs> I think the context for this is a little bit interesting. In um, the year, I think it was 2003, I would have been 13. Mm-hmm. Marvel launched a new imprint. And the point of the imprint was to be an umbrella for new books that were meant to appeal to and attract manga readers. Ah, okay. And the imprint was problematically called Tsunami. No! (laughs) 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 Oh, no! So if you read Runaways, or if you, in fact, uh, watch the Runaways TV show, and yeah. you ever uh, hear them use the word tsunami, it's just... It's a little joke. It's a little joke. It's a reference to the, the imprint. What does Runaways have to do with manga? Almost nothing. You read it backwards. <laughs> so um, I read this. I didn't read the single issues. This collects 18 issues it was meant to be canceled after that. It was mm-hmm. it was supposed to die. It was it was it supposed to be canceled or was it supposed to be a limited series? Is that what you're saying? Like was it I, only supposed to be an 18 issue arc or was were they like we're going to cancel this? I'm not sure happened. which one it is. Okay. It reads like it was intentional. It has okay. an ending with okay. issue 18. Uh, but I don't know whether that was the creator's will or uh, a real cancellation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it may have been just a cancellation that they had time to plan for. But um, the uh, collections were so popular that uh, they brought it back. Oh, okay. And when they brought it back, in fact, they brought it back with a new number one. Mm, which, one of those. which seems unintentionally confusing because the creative yeah. team was the same. That's very weird. <laughs> but presumably it was a business decision just to get new people to pick it up. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, if I haven't been reading this, I will not pick up issue 19, but I will pick up a new number one and then find out that I've been duped into reading <laughs> issue 19, um, which uh, everybody loves uh, when it happens to them. So no wonder Marvel does it so often. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I just want to show you. Um, so you know you know what a trade paperback looks like. Yes. You've read them. You know what size they are, what shape mm-hmm. they are, how yes. glossy they are. And you know that when an arc of comics is complete, that arc is collected in a trade paperback. Yes. Runaways. Will is reaching for something very off screen right now. I read this uh, as it was published in this hardcover. And then I had a little bit of catching up to do before I could read along with monthly new issues. Mm Mm-hmm. And what did I get instead of a trade paperback? What does that what look like? What is that? A manga? Yeah, it looks like a manga, right? Yeah. But it's not a manga. It's Runaways. <laughs> it is the size and shape of a collection of manga. 
and it sucks to read. Yeah. <laughs> because the image... It's backwards. Well, no, it's not backwards. <laughs> but it's smaller. It's simply smaller than it is supposed to be. It's smaller, it is, yeah. It is like you took a comic book and made photocopies of it <laughs> on paper that is like seven by nine. Yeah. Um, nothing's cut off, but everything's shrunk. And uh-huh. uh, I wish I had uh, something that was the appropriate size, but that's what I have. And then... I actually had that problem reading Lumberjanes. Oh, really? Um, Lumberjanes um, by N.D. Stevenson. Um is i mean was was you know was a came out in comic size or whatever and for some reason the trade paperbacks of those the text is so small oh i take this back it wasn't it wasn't lumberjanes it was nimona also by andy stevenson i'm I'm, Um, I'm looking at my uh, bookshelf to see what i can pull off i can pull off this there's lumberjanes uh, keep talking. Nimona, the text was so small that I was actually having trouble reading it, and I'm not that old. <laughs> I don't think I have Nimona. I do have Plutona. Oh, I'm not ready. This is the Plutona. first thing that I thought of when you said Nimona. And then uh, I forgot I had this, but I just recognized something else. I also have this on my shelf. Oh, there's Hush. I, Hush is so good. I haven't read it. Kenny actually said to me, "I need you need to re- read Hush because it's very good and because it's referenced a lot." Is this the whole, is, this me. is the whole thing? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Well, I'll put that on my to read uh, list. Um, I, I. But yes, I. I. My point is, I totally get that because I've had this problem. Pneumonia specifically, the text was so small in the, in the bubbles that I was like, and I think part of it was a resizing thing, but I think part of it was that ND just didn't know how he should be like resizing stuff yet mm-hmm. like or how to how big to make fucking text mm-hmm. um but i showed it to kenny i was like am i nuts and he was like no this is small <laughs> yeah so here's what i did um i reread runaways uh in preparation for this mm-hmm. there are uh historically 100 issues of runaways um i did not read uh, reread all of them I reread the ones written by Brian K. Vaughn. Yeah. He wrote this volume of 18 issues, and then he wrote an additional 24 issues. Okay. He left, and uh, I'm struggling with how much I want to get into what happened after that. I'm not sure what order to go in. Uh Let me just crack this open and... um, read a little bit of the introduction to you okay so this was written for the first 18 issue hardcover when brian k vaughn was still writing this book the later issues yeah i'd be remiss not to recognize the amazing work of one of the best artists in the medium ms joe chen who painted almost every cover in our initial run only the cover artist, not the artist artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he names an exception. And then he says, I have it on good authority that it was the come hither look Joe gave Nico on her unforgettable first cover that inspired. And then I'm going to go back to that in a minute, but it inspired someone to pick up the book. Mm-hmm. Okay. The covers are reprinted in here. 
Here's yeah. here's the first cover that he's referring to. Uh-huh. Well, that person looks like they're sitting inside of um a labia. So this is described in the introduction as a come hither look. Yeah. That Nico is giving. Nico is one of the teenagers. Great. <laughs> who are the main characters of Runaways. Yes. So who did who did that come hither look uh, inspire to pick up the book? Joss Whedon. That inspired Buffy the Vampire Creator slash, and by the way, parentheses sick. That is what's printed here. Buffy the Vampire Creator slash my personal hero slash dirty old man Joss Whedon to pick up her, to pick up our book. No. And he's been one of our most loyal yeah, Buffy the Vampire. ever since. Jesus. So here's my question. In, in, in the same breath, he calls him my personal hero and dirty old man. What yeah. did he know? <laughs> <laughs> Brian K. Vaughn, if you're listening, what did you know in 2005 <laughs> when you wrote this? Um, so that brings me to um, how much of this should you read and back to what happened after Brian K. Vaughn left. Yeah. After... Issue 24, which is really issue, what's 24 plus 18? 42? Sure. After 42 issues written by Brian K. Vaughn, the next arc, six issues, was written by Joss Whedon. Of course. Then. I And that's when you started reading it, right? No. Okay. I was reading Brian K. Vaughn issues of Runaways contemporaneously with Joss Whedon writing Astonishing X-Men. Okay. In the early 2000s. So at the time, of course, you know, I was I was upset that the writer of my favorite book was leaving my favorite book, but then I was like, oh, yeah. Joss Whedon's writing it now. That's cool. Yeah. Then it turned out to be only for six issues. Uh-huh. And then something happened, which I will refer to as the dark era. <laughs> When, okay. when there were a few more arcs of Runaways that I have never read, a new creative team was brought on. Mm-hmm. The cover for the first issue from the creative team that followed Joss Whedon's arc basically makes the characters look like, I would say, Bratz dolls. It looks terrible. I, oh God. I was like, if it looks anything like this, I will not be touching that. (laughs) And I never have. And that creative team didn't last very long. Uh I think everyone, I think pretty much everyone had the same response that I did. No, thank you. (laughs) Another new creative team was brought on. Mm -hmm. And the book itself didn't last long. Okay. Cut to... Years later, my moving to Tucson coincided with a summer when the entire universe of Marvel Comics was resetting itself. Right. Yes. With something called Secret Wars. Uh Uh-huh. Which some people think is what the MCU is building up to. Mm. Now that... We're post Endgame. Right, yes. And and are you familiar at all with 
Ultimate Spider-Man? No. Have you heard of Brian Michael Bendis? No. Bri- Bendis? Bendis, yeah. How do you spell that? Bend is. Oh, that's not what I would have guessed. Uh, very famous comic book writer. Uh, when, when we were young, like younger than the books I'm describing now, but I thought you were going to say younger than we are now. Yeah. And that too as well, but more specifically, um, Brian Michael Bendis, uh, wrote a book called ultimate Spider-Man. Okay. Which was basically, what if we started retelling the story of Spider-Man again from the beginning? Mm Mm-hmm. And it was so successful and so popular that more and more books piggybacked on it, Mm -hmm. being like, this is the ultimate Iron Man. The Avengers were called the Ultimates. Mm -hmm. It became a whole second universe. A whole thing. It was in this universe that eventually... Peter Parker dies and Miles Morales picks up the mantle of Mm Spider-Man. I think perhaps I am out of my depth here. By the way, maybe I should have started the episode by saying, I don't know that much about comic books. (laughs) (laughs) Comic books is one of a hundred things that I feel I just know a little bit more than the average person. Yeah. And even though it's like one of my primary interests... I there's a whole subculture of people who actually have expertise in it. This is how I feel about mushrooms. This is how I feel about like everything that I have an interest in. I'm like, uh-huh. oh, I am just skimming the surface. And I'm embarrassed by how little I know compared to people who really know their stuff. And the narrative that I've had to tell myself is it is in fact normal and maybe actually better to know a little bit more about uh, uh, than the average person about like six to 10 things mm-hmm. than to know as much as these other people I'm envious of, because the narrative in my mind is that's their thing and they don't have any other things. Mm-hmm. Don't tell me that you know <laughs> that much about comic books and Magic the Gathering and Mm -hmm. indie film and Mm -hmm. video games, all the stuff that I am engaging with, but not enough to be an expert or feel like an expert. Yeah. So um, I'm not going to specialize because specialize would mean not having time for the other things. So having not specialized in in any comic books, in any comic book history... I think that maybe the Miles Morales, Peter Parker thing was the primary reason why Marvel said we need to combine these universes. Mm. No more primary universe, ultimate universe. No more 616-828. I don't know what the other number is. They say it in Multiverse of Madness. They say when Doctor Strange goes to the- Oh, right, yeah. They say to him, like, you're from Earth 616. Now you're in Earth 828. I'm not, it yeah. has something to do with eights. I'm not sure if that's right. Which, by the way, I rewatched that now that it's on Disney Plus. Yeah. And it's still my favorite. Yeah, I, I have not found any more flaws. I think in you it. told me that. Yeah. Okay. 
Uh, and I, and I support you and I think that's good. Um, <laughs> Secret Wars was, so I actually, they reference this in Multiverse of Madness. It's so helpful for me that you have the background of having watched Multiverse of Madness twice. <laughs> yes. You might remember better than I do. What do they, do they call, they call it not collision, but they have a fancy name for oh, right. when universes collide and they get like wiped out. It's not intrusion. Incursion. That's incursion. Secret Wars is about the uh, aftermath of an incursion Mm -hmm. between the ultimate universe and the original universe. And for a summer, they just told bananas stories (laughs) about a new world called Battle World. That was assembled of all the jumbled up pieces of the two universes. And yeah. it was all ruled over by Dr. Doom. And maybe, just maybe, the reason why Kevin Feige wants us, like the the thing that they've given us to be most excited about is we're going to make a Fantastic Four movie. Yeah. There's been three Fantastic Four movies, not MCU, but three. They're very poorly regarded. Yeah, and nobody likes them. Not even a little bit. Not a lot of people, not a lot of reason to be excited about a Fantastic Four movie. But maybe, just maybe, they're planting the seeds of, we're going to meet Doctor Doom in the Fantastic Mm -hmm. Four movie. He's their villain. This is all leading, all this multiverse stuff is leading up to... There's going to be an incursion that affects the MCU and the next end games type movie is a secret wars movie. It's 838 by the way. 838. I was saying 828. Yeah. I was very You were so close. One one digit, one integer off. Yeah. Um So um uh that was a very convenient time for me to move to a new place. Mm-hmm. find my new comic book store and buy some things that I knew were just going to last for like five, six issues. Mm-hmm. And then in the aftermath of that, when the glorious new there's only one universe was born uh, from Secret Wars, there was a new Runaways. It was written by Rainbow Roll, or maybe it's Rowell. Sorry, mm-hmm. I don't know how to say it. But she wound up being... The writer who worked on Runaways the longest. Oh. She wrote 38 issues mm-hmm. until Marvel, the sons of bitches, <laughs> canceled the book with the mm-hmm. legacy issue 100. Legacy okay. meaning ignore the numbers on the cover. This is the 100th one. Yeah. Gone far too soon. Excellent book. Mm-hmm. I highly recommend reading the recent run of Runaways. But first you have to read this. So when I said I was going to give a partial recommendation, as I said, there are issues of Runaways that I've never read Mm -hmm. that weren't written by Brian K. Vaughn, Joss Whedon, or Rainbow Rowell. Mm -hmm. Rereading the Brian K. Vaughn uh, run my new perspective on it is 
it's bet this what I'm holding up the first 18 issues that's best okay the next 24 that he wrote not really as good yeah but there's good stuff in there and you do have to read it if you want to read the new issues okay if maybe you'll read it and you'll be on board and you'll be happy to do that mm-hmm. or you could read this and be satisfied by it and I would say that's good enough to take my recommendation. Yeah. Here's uh, just a quick pitch for Runaways. I'll give you Brian K. Vaughn's version of the pitch and then also my version. His version is, he says in the introduction, what I was, what I was writing from was a place of skepticism about how the young heroes of Marvel all seem to have great respect for authority and reverence for their elders. (laughs) Like Spider-Man's relationship with his dead uncle Ben and his living Mm -hmm. aunt May. And uh, wouldn't it be truer to life if there were teenagers and they hated their parents? Mm-hmm. And Runaways is a book about a group of teenagers who they just, they don't know each other that well. They're not friends. They just get pulled together once a year for an annual meeting of all of their parents. Mm-hmm. And they discover that their parents are evil. And what they're getting <laughs> together to do annually is a human sacrifice. Jesus. So the skepticism of authority is Brian K. Vaughn's pitch as seen in the introduction, which I think is good. I want to add to that what to me is appealing about this book is the genius of it's you have you're writing in the Marvel universe. You have access to all of that stuff. There's so much stuff going on in all different corners of it. Everything that you can imagine is possible and there's a precedent for it. So you asked if this was an offshoot of the X-Men and I said, Mm -hmm. kind of. It's because one of them turns out to be a mutant. Oh, okay. But that's the thing. They all turn out to be something different. That's amazing. So one of them finds out that she's a mutant. One of them finds out that they're an alien. Uh One of them finds out that their parents are time travelers. One of them finds out (laughs) that their parents are basically mad scientists. Uh One of them finds out that they're a witch and their parents are (laughs) magic users. Uh And there are six of them. And the other one finds out. um, They were ordinary all along. Well, he finds out that his parents' role in the organization is basically they're like, the kingpin type like crime mm. lords of Los Angeles. That's the other thing is that this book takes place on the West Coast so that mm. it is isolated from all the superhero stuff in New York, which primarily happens in New York City. Yeah. Um, so when they find out that their parents are evil, they can't just go to the Avengers. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that's my pitch. Here's the big asterisk on it. How much of this is problematic? Four out of the six are white. Mm-hmm. One of them is Asian. Okay. They're the one who finds out 
that their parents are magic users. Okay. In other words, like mystics. Ooh, okay. And they take that angle. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, sort of. I mean, it, it's, I don't think it's offensive, but also I'm not an authority on whether it's offensive or not. Yeah. But there's, some, there's something a little uncomfortable there. They, they could have done it a different way. <laughs> the one who finds out that he doesn't have any powers, but his parents are the crime lords is black. <laughs> so how uncomfortable is that? It's a little, it's a, it's, it, but here's the thing. I think it is more uncomfortable to talk about, yeah, think about, and reflect it. on than yeah. it is to actually read it. Here's another thing that's uncomfortable. Uh, here's here's the Brian K. Vaughn check-in that I that I should be doing on all of these books, but I skipped over it on Ex Machina. Do, does he use the R word? Ex Machina. The answer is yes, of course. Yes. Yeah. It was basically. It's, this is also sort of contemporaneous with those books. The answer is it's on page one. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> but here, but here's here's the thing. In the order that I'm going in, it, it's if every one of them is evolving. Yeah. So that in in the first one, it's like oh, this is everywhere, and it's like inexcusable. In the second one, it's like oh, this comes up a little too much, but they seem to be doing it more intentionally. Yeah. And the one we're on now, it's like, oh, this is more sparse and it seems pretty darn intentional. Yeah. And then you get into, I have a very limited time to just talk about how much I love Saga and Paper Girls, where it's like, I'm not talking about specifically the R word now. I'm talking about language in general that uh, we ought not to be using flippantly. Mm -hmm. Is it absent? No. Is it intentional? I think, yeah, very much so. To the point where the the one that I wanted to save for last is Paper Girls. Mm -hmm. And I reread Paper Girls and it is there. I'm not talking about the R word. I'm talking, spoiler alert. I'm talking about the F slur, which you mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. It is a very intentional, like, oh, this is actually, it's actually character development. Yes. How this word is used and then later not used. Yeah. I don't think that there was anything else in this edition of Runaways that I wanted to call out. So I will just move on to, I'll quickly ask you, what do you know about Saga? Do you know anything about Saga? There's a baby at some point. In, in, indeed there is, yeah. That's all I know. <laughs> So I know it goes on. I know it's very long already. The mission statement of Saga seems to have been, I'm not basing this on an intro I read or an interview, mm-hmm. but it seems to be, let's tempt fate and tell the longest story that we can think of. Yeah. And when A I, saga. Yes, exactly. Which is why it's called Saga. And when I say tempt fate, I mean like, in the George R. R. Martin sense, where it's like, <laughs> like, will he die before he finishes? The clock is ticking, <laughs> and I think we see where it's going to go. I'm trying to find the cover that I feel like I saw all of the time when I was more regularly going into bookstores. I'm sure I have the same cover in mind as you do. Unfortunately, I can't pull it off the shelf because Sarah Sarah is borrowing it. But um, Sarah, 
She's not even in the same state as you right now. It's the it's the image of the breastfeeding baby. I'm sure that's it. Yeah. With a planet in the background. Yeah, that sounds right. And like yes. the blue uh solar Yes. You know, like the solar system, the night sky, outer space, etc. Um Yes. So uh here's a trade paperback of Saga just for reference. Uh-huh. Um so I read the hardcover with the breastfeeding baby and then I read two trade paperbacks. Each of these is an arc and an arc is six issues in this case. And then I was caught up and I started reading monthly uh, issues. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, so after each arc, it was normal for them to take a little vacation a matter of months, maybe three. Mm -hmm. And then they reached uh, issue, I think it's it's 54. And they said, uh, and when I say they said, I mean, there's a, if you're reading the actual issues and not the collections, there's a letters column in the back. And so there's always um, words from the author. And with issue 54, they said, hey, um, so sorry, but this is the, we have the entire story plotted out and this is the halfway point. Oh. And we are going on hiatus for, I don't know how many years. They did not, they did not put a date (laughs) on it. And then late last year. Mm-hmm. The news came out somewhat surprisingly. I honestly thought there's a decent chance that it will never happen. Mm-hmm. The news came out. Saga is back. It's back in January. And so there have been six issues. Uh, a, a new complete arc uh, came out. It just wrapped up at the beginning of this month. And um, the next arc is going to start next January. Wow. So... so um Saga is basically the reason why there's a breastfeeding baby on the famous cover that people have seen the most is it's basically about uh, two alien races are at war with each other. They have been forever there. Uh, it's a war between the people with wings who live on this big planet and the people with horns who live on a moon of that same planet mm-hmm. and their war has spread across the entire galaxy. It's not localized to their planet moon. It's like they they have ally each, you know, basically everybody in the galaxy has to pick a side. Mm-hmm. And in the midst of that, a woman from uh, the planet and a man from the moon meet and fall in love and secretly marry each other and secretly have a baby. And it's all about them basically tra- traveling around the galaxy, trying to have a secret family and not get caught. And it's no. and it's all about their their misadventures and the misadventures of the people who are hunting them or or in mm-hmm. some cases trying trying to help them. Um, it's really really good. Um, I've been talking about comic books for more than two hours. I've barely said anything about art 
Yeah. Any, any, any art at all. Yeah. So here's just a quick summary of how I feel about the artists who I haven't mentioned so far. Uh, Why the Last Man is by Brian K. Vaughn and Pia Guerra. Sorry if I'm saying that wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the artist. What do I think of the art and la- uh, the art and Why the Last Man? I think it looks weirdly like Archie Comics. That's about all I have to say about it. Yeah, that's actually my problem with Fable too. Is it's a little bit classic, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, how so? Uh, the artist for Ex Machina was Tony Harris. How do I feel about this art? I feel pretty neutral about it. Yeah. Um, the art of Runaways is. Um, the artist, the the main artist on the original run of Runaways is Adrian Alfana. Mm-hmm. I think when he is drawing our main characters, I have no problems. When he's drawing other characters, do you know the Twitter account Good Faces? Yeah. It looks like he's trying to draw for that Twitter account. <laughs> It's very distracting, and I much. There are a couple of uh, guest artists uh, in the history of Runaways, and I mm-hmm. much prefer when a guest artist would take over for Adrian yeah. Alfana. Uh, sorry, um, <laughs> you might know some of Adrian Alfana's work from uh, Ms. Marvel. He also uh, worked on that oh, okay. book. Uh, Saga's artist is Fiona Staples. What a name. Yeah. And I have nothing but praise to heap on the work of Fiona Staples. um, Interestingly, and I think not by accident, perhaps this is just alphabetical, but you normally see the writer's name first and then the artist. Yeah. Uh, On Saga, you always see Fiona Staples and then Brian K. Vaughn. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think it's an amazing collaboration. And, uh, if you want, if you ever want to talk about Saga, I would love to talk about it with you. I hope that you will, uh, start reading it. Yeah. Maybe I'll get, get it from the library. But, uh, this is the art for, by the way, is the reason, one of the reasons why I love Wicked and Divine so much, because that art mm -hmm. is what rings all the little bells in my brain. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but Saga is ongoing and it won't be finished for years. <laughs> I have time. Um, not true of the last thing we have to talk about, which is Paper Girls. Yes. Before I do that, uh, I just remembered, I did want to say, because we talked about the Why the Last Man TV show, I just have to mention the fact that they made a Runaways TV show. Yes. And they made it for Hulu, uh-huh. which sometimes people forget is owned by Disney. Oh yeah! Oh no! I knew that because you get we. I get the bundle for us. The bundle, the Disney bundle, and um, they. In hindsight, it is a damn shame. It is, it is one of the great shames of my life as as a comic reader and a media enjoyer. Uh huh. That they adapted Runaways into a TV show before. Disney Plus came along and the MCU yeah. started doing TV shows. 
I wouldn't mind at all if they just said that never happened. Let's <laughs> run it back and try it again. <laughs> yeah. Um, the cast, I, I, I had praise for the cast of Why the Last Man. The cast of Runaways is half really good. Half not so much, in my opinion. Yeah. And the writing is uh, turned out to be uh, pretty abysmal. I think that they had a problem. Because James Marsters is in that. True. He plays one of the parents. So the problem with the Runaways TV show, in a nutshell, is they must have read the book and realized, huh, not enough happens to sustain a tv show so what Uh do we do and the first thing they did was make it so that they don't run away right away it takes Mm -hmm. way too long for them to do that and the second thing that they did is they really made like main characters out of all of the parents yeah uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, yeah, but they're all bad. I cannot disapprove of what they did strongly enough. <laughs> <laughs> but what's becoming a TV show next, adapting the works of Brian K. Vaughn? Paper Girls. Paper Girls. Ooh, Paper Girls won in plastic. Uh, so I, uh, I knew this was coming right away when it was brand new. Uh, I bought and read this monthly as it came out from, I think, if I remember correctly, 2015 to 2019. Mm-hmm. It's over. There are 30 issues. It's done. The arcs are five issues each. There are six arcs. I love Saga. Paper Girls is Brian K. Vaughn's masterpiece i i reread it in anticipation of this it's so good i cannot Uh recommend it enough i had every issue i at some point loaned out issues six through nine to someone (gasps) if you are listening to this (laughs) and you are that person i don't remember who you are please return them if you if you can (laughs) That could be my wedding gift to you. To you. I bought this. It's just Paper Girls 6 through 9. I bought the necessary trade paperback in order to read that arc when I was rereading it in the days yeah. leading up to this. But at the time, I bought every issue and I read them in that form. Um, it was really fun to read them that way. It was also really hard to follow the story, as it mm-hmm. is with a lot of comic books when you are reading them month to month. Oh, yeah. And it holds up extremely well to reading them all in one go. Yeah, yeah, good. Uh, One right after the other. Is it going to be a good TV show? I am afraid not. (laughs) (laughs) I would love for it to be good. I really hope that it's good. There is a trailer. You can watch it. It looks... We'll put it in the show notes. It looks interesting. It looks like uh, they, they might have found a good cast. Mm-hmm. I I I kind of think that it sort of makes it look. I think the trailer sort of makes it look cheap. Mm. Here's so um, when you watch like so going back to the Runaways TV show real quick. It looks like it looks like one of those shows that I haven't watched much of that is like mostly on the CW. Okay, you know yeah. it looks like Supernatural. 
or or so, or one of those DC shows that I've never watched. And, and, Which people love. And I assume that's what they look like. I told you that my um, a girl I went to high school with was Hawk Girl uh-huh. in one of those shows. Yes. I think in the Green Arrow. I don't know. I think Yeah, I think you've told me that, yeah. Um, Sierra. I would compare it to, I would compare that look. Look, I don't have the language to analyze, like, the lighting and what cameras they're using and the way that they're framing shots. I would just say uh-huh. that, like, it looks almost a little bit like a soap opera, but... But without the element of like, oh, this is so obviously like on a set. Yeah. But it, it's it's a little soap opera-esque and I'm afraid, I'm a little afraid that the Paper Girl show is going to look like that too. And also I'm a little bit afraid of adapting the story because it is so finite and contained. That they'll just like want to make it go on forever. You can read all, you know, it's like you said before, this is what you said before about feeling like, whoa, I read this entire book. It's so huge. I read read it so quickly. You can read all 30 issues of Paper Girls in a day. You could do it. It yeah. would be satisfying. I don't think that that makes for a good television show unless maybe it's a, a, a mini, a limited series. Yeah, maybe they'll just make it a limited series, though. Maybe it'll just be... Yeah, but I'm, I, I, I hope... Yeah, may, I hope they find something good to do with it. I'm just afraid they're going to do... Maybe they'll do what The Handmaid's Tale just couldn't bring itself to. Yeah, I'm afraid that it's going to be like The Handmaid's Tale or really more like The Runaway Show where it's just like, oh, we took this one thing that took like five issues that you can read in 30 minutes and it's going to take a season and Mm -hmm. and that's going to be like eight hours long. And uh, Mm -hmm. uh, But I, I hope I'm wrong and that's... Hey, look forward to the old business segment in in upcoming <laughs> episodes when I say whether my fears And when does this come out? July 29th, I think is the premiere. So it's Oh wow, so 2 weeks, re- a week. It's really really soon. Um I assume it's not going to be one of those here's all the episodes now binge them. Yeah. But I could be wrong. I don't know. At this point, uh I am just looking forward to it and I will see what it is when it happens. I'm looking at the okay. It doesn't actually say when they're going to release it. Sometimes on Wikipedia they'll have the um, episodes and without when a show is new without the actual descriptions filled in, mm-hmm. uh, and it just like has the release date, but it doesn't. So I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. So in summary, mm-hmm. read Paper Girls. It's a masterpiece. Read Saga. It's really cool and it's ongoing. You can jump on board now or in a few years and you will still be not late to the party Mm -hmm. read runaways at least this volume one which collects uh issues one through 18 and if you're hooked uh keep reading um but not to get you can skip but not to get to that middle stuff but keep reading to get to the more recent stuff written by somebody else written by rainbow rowell and um the rest uh, is fun to be smug about. Yes, hell yeah. Any uh, final questions or final thoughts? No, I don't think so. I think you did a great job. I, w- I was pleased to hear this. I'm excited to talk to you about, I think I have talked to you about Fables off air a little bit and why I stopped reading that at some point. Not that I'm opposed to starting it again, but. Well, uh, thank you very much for what you just said. And I will just, end, you know, like any good comic book, it should end on a cliffhanger. So yes. I'll just say that if there was more time, I would talk to you about the works of the writer Tom King, 
mm-hmm. and perhaps one day there will be a comic books two episode and that will be not about Brian K. Vaughn, but about Tom King, who I think I'm less smug about. And I think I just have mainly good things to say about his stuff. Nice. Good. So until next time, true believers, <laughs> Excelsior. I've probably made this joke in Marvel episodes before, so. I think so. But it's still a good that one. That didn't stop Stanley from repeating them all the time, so. Bye, Will. Love you. Love you too. Bye bye. Will is on Twitter and Letterboxd at Youngest of One, and his website is WilliamHoffacker.com. You can find Liz at Exclamate on Instagram, at Exclamate underscore on Twitter, or on her website, ElizabethDeannaMorrisLakes.com. Our website is SmugBuds.com, and the podcast is at SmugBuds on Twitter and Instagram. 